This episode was brought to you by Canna Comforts. Canna Comforts was formed to help those in need of an all-natural but effective alternative to prescription drugs. Canna Comforts heals your mind, body, and soul with the finest all-natural products on earth. Be sure you check out the description box for a link to their website and also use code DIARY25 to get 25% off your order. What's up, my close friends out there? Welcome to another great episode of Diary of a Mad Black Man. My name is Blake. If you don't know, I'm the host, the CEO, and the founder of this podcast. And today, today, I'm sorry, every time I say today, I think of the Cardi B, which uh, it's like a quick meme from one of her lives. And she was like, today, what, what is, what is that? What is that? Sorry, y'all. Side, I, I'm getting sidetracked. Anywho, so today's episode is the first of many episodes centered around this same topic. It is for my series called International Blackness. So International Blackness, this entire series that I'm going to be running through the rest of season three is really centered on the black experience to share experiences of other black people from around the world. And the goal is to bring a global perspective to what it means to be black and also to celebrate the diversity of blackness around the globe. Let me go ahead and tell y'all quick sidebar. I have met some of the most dope, amazing people from outside of the United States through this series and through connecting with podcasters from around the world. I mean, no shades of podcasters here in America, but y'all podcasting outside the U.S. is lit. And I like I'm already just ready for these borders to open up because I told one of my uh, one of my collaborators, one of the guests on my podcast, I was like, look, if I come over to y'all's country and I like it, I'm going to lose this passport on purpose because the way America is set up right now, I'm not here for it. Anywho, the whole purpose of this series is, like I already said, to really celebrate the diversity of blackness around the world and have those conversations to bridge the gap between black Americans and blacks from outside of the U.S. This one specifically is focused on African-Americans and Africans, people from the various countries within Africa and Connie, shout out to Connie. What's up, Connie? I know you're listening. Thank you for being on my show. This episode here, y'all, was so powerful. Even after I recorded it, I went back and listened to it for myself just so I could take notes and absorb some more of the greatness that Connie brought to my podcast. Connie's another podcaster. She's actually based out of Texas. Shout out to H Town. Um, Connie is a God-fearing woman who loves to make people happy and comfortable and express their inner thoughts and share their experiences. Her show is called Vent Time with Connie, and she's really focused on becoming a positive influencer to women and really anyone that may be listening to her podcast. So be sure y'all check out the description box to check out some of Connie's content because her show is very dope as well. I've been listening to it a lot more lately. Um, but this episode here was the first of many episodes that I've done with people who have a different experience being black and growing up outside of the U S. So I found it to be very powerful that there's a, I'm not going to say it just yet because, um, quick shameless plug, 
season four of Diary of a Mad Black Man is coming. But what I've learned is there are certain things that are very similar to our experiences that I'm learning just from the few episodes that I've recorded already. But there's something about the experience of being black. I'm connecting the dots, y'all. So I can't speak on it just yet, but all I got to say is keep listening, keep tuning in. Be sure you check the description box. Again, if you're not following me, if this is your first time tuning in, welcome. Follow me on Instagram, follow me on the socials because I'm also gonna beef up a lot of the things that I do on social media and things like that um, to really also carry the message further past these episodes because as a creative and an entrepreneur I feel that these types of conversations are very important and the last thing I want to mention is you know 2020 has been one hell of a year for a lot of us and I got to give credit where credit is due so shout out to Kelby from Alone on the Couch podcast for saying this because these words have stuck with me since he said it you know it's one thing to have gone through 2020 as a human being and experiencing this collective trauma but to be a black person and go through 2020 especially here in america born and raised on american soil it's a different experience and so it's been very difficult for me to study and learn about what's going on it's been very difficult for me to continue to to research the next hashtag that's been created so this is a part of me doing what i can to push the envelope forward because white supremacy and racism affects us all around the world even white people you know it's it's affects it's it's a disease And what we are seeing right now are the symptoms of this disease that has plagued this planet for many, many generations and hundreds and hundreds of years. And I feel myself creating a whole other episode right now. And I don't want this intro to be too much longer than what it already is. So again, shout out to Connie. Be sure you check out the description box to go check out her show, Vent Time with Connie. And let's go ahead and get into this episode. One of many more centered around international blackness, celebrating the black experience around the world. I hope you all enjoy. Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, we're getting into another great diary entry here today. I have another amazing guest with me. Her name is Connie, and her podcast is Vent Time with Connie. Um, and let's just jump right in. So, Connie, how are you today? Thank you for joining. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm doing well. I'm blessed today. Awesome, awesome. Um, so, I, so I know a little bit about you, but for the people that are listening, um, introduce yourself. Tell them a little bit about who you are and what you do. Well, guys, I'm Connie, and um, I have a podcast called Vent Time with Connie, um, and it's available in all listening platform. And uh, I think I can describe I describe myself as um, a very passionate and driven um, lady that so much love God, and I love to make um, everyone happy and comfortable to express themselves. I think that's probably why I opened, I started my podcast to create a platform for everyone to express themselves. You know, like the word vent, just to vent any topic, you know, any issues it might be. So I'm that kind of person and I love God. And when I say I love to make everybody happy, doesn't mean I have to compromise my values or my mm. standards, but I also, um, you know, I maintain my um, values at the same time, making other people happy. So that's a little bit about me. I love that. Um, we have different platforms, but similar foundations to our platform, which mine is, you know, to have a free space. It started out um, very much a selfish space to help myself to release. And the more I've grown in my podcast journey, I've 
connected me with amazing people like yourself to have them on the podcast. And in this series, International Blackness, when I first started to promote it, I was very, I was somewhat surprised that the amount of people that would reach out and that were willing to have this conversation. So I just want to take a moment on the mic and to say thank you for being willing to have this conversation with me because as a Black American, somebody who's only grown up in America, I know that the history of my people doesn't begin here. And so a part of my journey is to start to have conversations through this series to celebrate the diversity of what it means to be Black, what it means to be a person of African descent in some sense. Um, and I appreciate everything that you're going to help me to learn um, and to share with the people who may be listening. So um, I want to start off with um, you sharing with us where you were born and um, where you're currently living. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Well, I was born and raised in Nigeria, West Africa. And um, I came, um, I left Nigeria 16 years ago, not 16 years ago, sorry, 11 years ago. And I came here when I was 16. And um, yeah, that's where I was born and raised. And um, I live currently in Houston, Texas. I moved three years ago, but I was living in Atlanta, ATL. And before hey. I moved down here, yeah, the A-Town. That's where I'm at. <laughs> oh, that's where you are? Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, I'm in Atlanta. Oh, what um, part of Atlanta? Well, right now I'm currently in like the College Park East Point area. And I actually That's will be. That's my place. <laughs> I'm telling you this. I love this city. There's no, I don't think there's, so far, I haven't found a place on earth like this. Mm-hmm. Um, especially here in America, it's considered the black Mecca. Um, Cause there's so many black people here, um, but it's a very diverse city. And when I first moved here, I moved here for that reason. And as I've I've been here for four years and as I've grown to know more about the city, more about the landscape and the culture here, I've learned that not all black people are the same. And I knew that before because, you know, people born in North, like in Chicago, where I was born and raised versus black people who born and raised in New York versus mm-hmm. people who born and raised in the South versus the South. people that are born and raised in California, you know, we're all a little different. You know, those cultural differences definitely make us different, but who we are as a people is something that unites us. So um, why did you, um, what prompted you to move to the United States? Well, my parents, my parents brought us here. Um, so they brought us here cause they were already here. So they filed for us and brought us here. That's why I came here in the first place. It wasn't, my choice but i love the choice i mean who wouldn't mm. want to leave africa and come to america so but it was a, a great opportunity my parents gave to us and mm. i appreciate them for that but that's why i came and i love it mm. that, that's interesting because to be quite honest i'm i'm over it you know with everything that's going on <laughs> recently i'm like <laughs> i want to go somewhere i want to go back to africa somewhere but um that's a whole another conversation um but i'm really curious um tell us about your childhood what was it like growing up in nigeria oh wow growing up in nigeria was so amazing and uh, for my childhood i have a normal childhood you know we didn't have we don't have it all we don't have the the all the money in this world but my parents we went up and down sometimes we'll have it sometimes we don't but um 
but we eat at least three square a meal you know and that's a big deal you know we eat three square a meal and in nigeria you know there's either poor or rich there's no in between so mm. my childhood was pretty normal and uh, i went to school um mostly private school and private school are really expensive um so my young my younger brother like because we were like family of eight no sorry family of 10 including my parents 10 but we have eight um children so i'm the seventh one out of the eight so um we is a big family growing up with a big family my sisters took care of me because i have like five sisters and mm -hmm. then two brothers i was closer in age with my brothers i have an older brother and a younger brother so i basically grew up with them a lot my sisters take care of us um so i think they probably went through life um hard life hard times in life more than i did because by the time we were school age my parents were already in america so they're able to afford the private school and all of that so that's why me and my brothers went to all the school we went through is private school we didn't really go to government school that's public school so so I wouldn't really, I didn't really experience hard times when it comes to, compared to my sisters. They'll be the one to tell you. Some of them have to go to evening schools, you know, so they can take care of us, you know. But I went to normal school, so it was for me. It was it was a it was a blast for me. Like I had a good time, and I missed it a lot. But um, I have you know, normally an average a, a a great life back home. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. What are some of the um? So I'm so curious, what are some of the things you remember about your childhood that are just good memories? Like what was play and fun time like for you? Wow. Playing in playing outside as kids, that's what you meant? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm uh, it was oh my gosh. I don't even know where to begin. For me, it's uh, just a normal going outside with with your fellow with your peers you know when it's raining outside it's like a game for us we took over our clothes we run to the we run outside and we play that was fun you know and uh, that was a good time and my parents have to stop us from doing that because i got sick you know i got cold and all of that but that was a good time and i also love how my parents always we go back home to the uh, to the ruler would that be the ruler, like the village side of Nigeria, which is actually where we are from? We go back home every two years. When we get home, you get to see your, the grandmas, your cousins from your dad's side and from your from your mom's side, and uh, do, and it's usually on the Christmas time. December is a good time in Nigeria. Like if you want to go mm -hmm. back to Nigeria, go to December time. So we go back to the village, village in December time, and they have se so many several special occasions. On that um, December, they have a lot of weddings. They have a lot of occasions. Like we have masquerade um, occasion where the masquerade would be dancing, running. We just come and watch them. It was a big deal back then. And it's still a big mm. deal to today, I think. So just going back home, learning about my culture and my dad sometimes having a talk with us, you know, telling us about the civil war which is the biafra war and tell us about how nigerian gained their independence you know just because my dad is a history guy so he would he tell us everything he went through and how they survived the war and all of that so basically sitting there with my dad learning about that about my culture where it all started from how we got to where we are now and why um the northern people are killing the the eastern part of nigeria because that's where i'm from you know so all those things will cultivate the hate between all of, between us so learning about that 
having that conversation with my dad was the best time that I had growing up and also going back home to see the village, to see my grandma, to see my cousins, my uncles. And um, yeah, playing with kids. That's the, that's like the my most um, memories, the favorite memory that I have growing up. Mm, I love that. I love that. I'm, I'm curious. Um, describe what the village looks like hmm. versus where, because I know you said you go back to the village. So I want to hear what the village looks like. Well, back then when I was younger, what the village looks like, because the village have changed now. It's becoming like the township now. Where the village is like, um, you know how you go to the countryside of wherever, mm -hmm. like I'm in Texas now, you go to Athens. They mm -hmm. have Athens in Georgia too. But you go to Athens, Texas, like Corsicana or what other places, like Tyler, you'll see horses, you know, for that's how America village is. That's the that's the only way I can compare it. But in the mm. village back in Nigeria, it's very quiet, like how the countryside would be, very quiet. They do they do everything from the scratch. Like they they have a river they go to to get to fetch water. And they have um it's just so quiet. That's the way I, I love going to the village because it's like a very peaceful mm. place to be. You can even hear the the birds um singing or making noise, or the even you will hear the chicken because so many people have farm like they have farm they raise chicken they raise all kinds of animal and also have a farm farm so you can hear the chicken will wake you up in the morning they'll make a mm. noise you know you will hear it waking up some people mm. they don't have alarm that was what was waking them up they know that it's, it's morning time so so all those things and um i don't know you bushes are like everywhere like you can go to the um this bush and go fetch some to get you some uh, mangoes some oranges mm. you can use a stick and plums and get some oranges and um, mangoes and all kinds of fruits. So that was fun. And you can mm -hmm. actually go to the bush and we fetch, um, what do they call it? Like firewood. Like you get firewood. That's what we use to um, cook, you know, so you can make, I don't know how to describe it. You Because you're going, um, it will light up. And then that's what you're going to put in your pot and you cook whatever you want to cook. So that's mm -hmm. what, how it was went back then 11 years ago but now this uh you know civilization is happening all those things is happening so things are changing people are building houses i mean there are beautiful houses back then but now i feel like the village are turning into cities it's so noisy it's like a lot of businesses are running but that's mm. not what village is meant for but yeah mm. i like that so a village in nigeria is like the term that comes to mind is like small town um, yes i i I spent a lot of my childhood living in Illinois. I moved around quite a different places, but something I remember learning when I started living in central Illinois was like, they called them stoplight towns or stop sign towns. And that was because it would either have like one stoplight in the whole town or the whole town would only have one stop sign. That's just how small the roads and things are. And, and that's one of the things that I love about Atlanta and living in Georgia because I love the city. I think I'm a city guy at heart, but I'm a country boy as well. So I love, you know, two lane streets. I love <laughs> trees and having space and acres of land and things like that. And one of my goals is to eventually buy some property in the country somewhere outside of Atlanta, maybe within like a 45 to an hour mile radius. So that way, when I want the city life, I can go get that. But then when I'm done and I'm over it, I can go back to my nice peaceful quiet place my sanctuary off in the country yeah. somewhere so i love that 
Um, So it sounds like you had a wonderful childhood growing up in Nigeria. And when you first came to the States, you said you were 16, right? Yes. Yeah. So I imagine you remember that day very vividly, if I'm assuming. Um, What was that day like? Like, obviously, you got on an airplane. Well, did you get on an airplane to come here? Yes, I have to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So what was that like your first day here in the United States? What do you remember about that day? Well, that day, ah, that's one of the my be- one of the best days of my life. Um, mm-hmm. It was May twenty seven, two thousand and nine. I will never forget that day, because um, we have to fly over. You know, we took we took a direct flight from Delta. Basically, we flew straight from Lagos State straight to Atlanta, because that's where my parents are. So um, that day, um, it was the. It was sweet and sour at the same time because it's sweet that I'm getting to experience this um, land of opportunity because that's the way we look at America. You know, I'm going to this. I'm going to America where everybody dream and wish to be in. So I get to meet different people. You know, have this great opportunity, and then at the same time, I'm sad that I'm leaving my friends behind, like what I'm used to. What is numb to me? You know, I'm leaving it. Like I'm because I stopped school and then. Oh, you know, you make friends, you grow, because that's what all I know growing up. So I was sad that I was living there. I don't know if I would ever reconnect with those with my friends, because at that time I didn't have a phone. So I was like, I don't know how this whole thing going to work. You know, am I still going to get connected with them? Am I still going to meet people at least similar to my friends that will understand me, understand where I'm coming from? So that that was that was the sad part of it. But in, in overall, it was a good time. It was a great day. And we landed. And I remember my uncle coming to pick us up from the airport because my parents were at work. And then he took us home. We dropped our stuff. And then we went to our first ever fast food, which was uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. I'll never forget yeah. that. <laughs> it was Kentucky Fried Chicken. I, I believe everybody that came from another country always had to try Kentucky. Apart from the buffet, going to the buffet, you you tried the Kentucky Fried Chicken. At that time, the the taste of Kentucky Fried Chicken is so similar to um, the food in in Nigeria. I think really? that's why people go there. Yeah, the chicken is so similar. The test is close to, you know, what it tests, you know, the food test back in Nigeria. So we went there. He, We had our fried chicken, coleslaw, the biscuit, and the mm. fries, the American fries thing. I was like, wow, this is so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good time. And my uncle basically, you know, take us out. I was like, yeah, yeah, this is America. And even when we were landing, I looked over the window, you know, in the airplane. And I saw how everywhere was so, you know, neat. It was put together. The grasses are green. Everything is organized. You know, it's so clean. I was like, wow, this is real paradise. Like, it was crazy. It was it was a good memory. I was like, wow, this is so awesome. I can't believe I'm in America. But, yeah, we, get home, we got home. You know, we went to the fast food. My uncle took us out. We came back. And then we slept off. I think we, we kind of, we got, because we are not used to the, time frame so we mm. my parents my mom left out food in the fridge one day and we were all sleeping to the next day because mm. she worked at night to the next day so the food got spoiled because we are still used to the nigerian time so when the nigerian sleeping that's when we are sleeping and it was so we had, it took us a while for us to mm. start getting used to the whole time frame and everything but it was a good time it was a good mm. memory that's beautiful i like that i haven't had uh 
I, I say KFC. We shorten it KFC. I haven't had that in. I couldn't tell you the last time. I love Popeyes. Popeyes is, is my favorite spot, my favorite fast food spot when I do. But I'm also changing my diet up, so mm-hmm. I probably have some of that. Like you make the way that you, you describe the Kentucky Fried Chicken. I'm like, yo, I really miss some KFC. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't taste the same anymore. I don't. I don't like it no. anymore. It no, it definitely doesn't taste the same anymore. Uh, but I, there's something about those biscuits with the honey. Yes. Something about those biscuits with the honey. Wow. So um, so you came to the States at 16. You had a good experience. Your family was already here. Um, what was life like for you as you began to adjust to living in America? Life. Oh, God. It was it was like a cultural shock for me. It was definitely a culture shock, especially when we started school. First, they had to push me back because uh, I was supposed to be in 12th grade, but they pushed me back to 10th grade, which was crazy because of some, you know, I couldn't provide the report card and all of that because of the issue with back home. So I had to start all over again. And high school for me, uh, I don't know, it was a good experience. I was in EOCL, so I kind of... um focus on those that understand me a lot of people when you try to talk in class they will laugh at you because of your accent and people hardly want to be friends with you so it was kind of difficult you know getting along with people um and then because you're trying to because we already speak english in nigeria but american english is a little different you know the accent Mm -hmm. is different so when i talk they look at me like are you from British? Are you from in uh, London? I was like, no, I'm not. I was like, oh, okay. Like you say restroom, we say toilet, you know? So those simple things. And they asked me, what? What? What did you say? So it was hard for me getting along with people, making friends. So thank God I was on ESOL, like the English speaking, um, what do you call it? Second English, those that have English as a second language. Yeah, English, as, English as a second language. Yes. So I was there. So I have people from Hispanic, you know, those are from Africa like me, Senegal, Togo. So I basically was mingling with those type of people. So I just focus on that because other people just wouldn't really accept me or understand me. They basically make jokes of me, uh, make fun of me. So, yeah, it was difficult trying to adjust. You know, it was it was quite difficult. Mm. So after um. Yeah, I, I can relate to that. Um, I went to two different high schools. Actually, yeah, two different high schools. Um, high school wasn't a good time for me for the most part. Um, just adjusting and making friends, you know, that's the age you're kind of truly becoming aware of yourself and of the world and things like that. So what were your what did you do after you graduated high school? What, what was your next steps in life after that? Oh, I went to college. I went to a two-year college, mm-hmm. and then eventually went to a four. Um, sorry, went to a four-year college to finish up with my um bachelor's degree in biology. But that's pretty much what I did. Mm. Nice, nice. And so, um, one of the reasons why, one of the main reasons I'm doing this is, is because of you know racism, white supremacy, and oppression, and all the different isms and terms that I could go down that I'm not going to do that. But um, did you experience any of that in Nigeria, like discrimination or oppression in any kind of way? Um, well, discrimination. Yeah. If you are um, like rich versus poor, 
But when it comes to racism, no, because we are all in the same race. And we I experienced tribalism, like um, like we have different tribes in Nigeria. So that was a huge issue. Like people getting married to like I'm from Igbo tribe, they have Aosa tribe and Yoruba tribe and other tribes. So people kind of um discriminate because of your tribe because those tribes speak their own languages you know so you have to be careful because some people some guy if you're dating a guy that's outside of your tribe and um their parents probably won't allow you guys to get married because that's a big deal they don't want that like the also uh, like the also tribe um mostly kill Igbo tribe especially those Igbo people that uh, move that live in the north area because nigeria in the north area of nigeria there's a lot of Aosa people but in the east side, that's where the my tribe is, Igbo tribe. And then the south is Yoruba. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of hate between the tribes. Like, uh, this tribe don't like this tribe or the rich from uh, rich and poor. So that's basically what I experienced. But racism, not really. I didn't really know what that was until I came to America. Mm. And what have been your experiences with that here in America? Hmm. I don't know. I don't think I have any. Maybe because I'm. Maybe it could be because I'm oblivion to it. I didn't really pay attention, but I have never really experienced racism, like a direct someone, you know, discriminating against me because of my race. I have never really experienced that, and it could be because I'm not being focused on it, or I'm just focused on my people, people that understand me. You know, maybe that could be that, but I have never really experienced it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I can. Wow. That's that's interesting, you know. Uh, I remember we, we kind of talked off mic where you know I, I spoke with another young lady who was from Nigeria, and she said I was never oppressed. You know that never happened to me, and I'm like, wow, you know that was the first time I heard somebody who had skin color like me say that, and that was very powerful. And it makes me think about how difficult it is sometimes to live in America because I experienced racism. I remember the first time I experienced it in my face was, you know, 10 years old. Um, I was riding my bike with one of my friends. I was living in Memphis, Tennessee at the time. And I'll never forget, it was a gray Ford Bronco. I pulled up on the side of us. I was on the sidewalk and we we're just kind of just sitting there. I don't really remember what we we're doing. And next thing I know, I had a whole milkshake in my face. And wow. I would think, they threw a milkshake and they said, nigger, f- fucking nigger. And then they pulled off. And I remember that moment looking at my friend and he started laughing, you know, and I remember starting to laugh, too, because I was like, you know, it reminded me of like Nickelodeon, you know, when you would, they would put the slime all over people. Yes. Yeah. So it was kind of one of those moments. And I didn't really realize the severity and the seriousness of what happened until I went home and told my mom. And she was like, I remember the look on her face. She was like, what? Oh my God, are you serious? Who was it? Where was it at? Why why didn't you come home? Why didn't you say, I was like, you know, I I didn't really know. So, and that was just the first time, you know? So, and as I've gotten older, as I've learned more about the United States, this country, learned more about myself as a black man in this country and the way society has constructed me to be the way that I am, you know, it hasn't really allowed me to really be as free and open and transparent as I am now. And I feel like it's a new era, um, especially in 2020. It's been a crazy year. I know we've all been. It is. Yeah. Um, But, but I do want to speak about um, 
it, it kind of alludes to the come maybe your experiences in high school um when you said you know people would talk about you because of your accent and i want to speak specifically about your interactions with black americans um because i i know that there's somewhat of a divide between black americans and people who are from africa or specifically nigeria like you um what what was your experiences like with black americans Oh, wow. For me, I don't know. For me, you know, when I came to America, you can ask this to any African. Um, they will tell you, people will tell you about African-Americans. You need to be careful because a lot of Africans have had terrible experience with African-Americans. For me, when I came to America and I see America as, you know, the land of the uh, Oyubo, which means white people. So when I see a black person, I get excited. I was like, oh my God, a black person like me. Then when I started talking to them, the way they react to me, the way they laugh at me, first of all, say you are, you stink or you, you, your accent is funny. You know, all those uh, comments, those um, terrible comments they make. That's when I started realizing, okay, we are different, you know? Mm. Okay, they are born and raised here. And I was, I started learning. And when we went to school, learn U.S. history, I was like, Oh, now I see we are different. You know, the African-Americans, we are African. So there's difference. That's why we can, I can't really get along with them. So that's the, that was my first um, experience with African-Americans. Even before that, our parents, anybody would tell you they have terrible experience with that. And yeah, you're right. There's a lot of, there's divide in African-Americans and uh, between African-Americans and Africans, because I don't know what it is, but I don't know. I've always tried to understand it because at first when they told me, that, I was like, nah, you know, I'm not going to judge the book by its cover or what people tell me. I'd rather experience it myself, but I actually did experience it myself. And a lot of people will warn you, even at work, you need to be careful because a lot of our family members, our sisters, our friends, everybody have always, you know, got into trouble at work because of that. You know, because and sometimes they lay them first accusation of things they didn't do, maybe because of our people, you know, like I say English, we are still struggling with English. So we don't really know how to fully express ourselves in that language, in that English mm. language. And also the culture is different. Our people, is, the, the way we express ourselves sometimes might come off as rude, as very, you know, bold and aggressive or commanding. So people will translate it that way. That's why they will get into trouble without even knowing they're in trouble, understanding why they're in trouble in the first place. So I think that's why the issue started. And you know, for us to leave Africa and come to America, there's one thing why we leave Africa in the first place, because of the opportunities. And in Africa, you don't have that opportunity. So there's a lot of family members or friends, or whoever it is, depending on you. So we came here for one purpose to try to make a living for ourselves. And there's a lot of people calling you on the phone, send me money today, send me money tomorrow. So you need that money to send it back home. And when someone starts affecting or you know hindering your chances of getting that money, that's when it hurts. You know, it's like, okay, so if you are stopping me from this, you know, I left my country because for this, and you're not taking that one thing that I want. So that's when the hatred will start. I think that's what cultivate the divide the hatred between africans and african-americans and um i've never really had a conversation with african-american before and i'm glad that i'm in this show talking mm. to you because i really want to understand what the issue is apart from of course we are different the accent is different the way we express ourselves do you what is it 
I don't know, because I say my parents or not really my parents, like people, Africans will tell me, oh, you need to be careful with African-Americans. They did this, they did that. Have you ever get that kind of um, warning about Africans? Maybe that could be the reason why there's the issue or the hatred between Africans and African-Americans. Mm, you know, um, I've never had my family or anybody know specifically like give me a warning Mm -hmm. about Africans I can remember growing up and specifically in Memphis there was this one guy I can't remember his name but he was from Ethiopia and me I grew up in a predominantly white schools so similar to you it's like oh another black person you know what's up you're my people you know but Mm -hmm. I remember we when I started to speak to him I remember his accent was different And I remember, you know, some of the mean things that people would say to him and things like that. And I never understood why Um, I was I was somewhat of of a bully. If I'm honest, too, you know, I would join in the crowd and things like Mm -hmm. that. Um, But I remember before it's funny because we actually ended up it was one of my first school fights was with this guy. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's because we just for some reason, we just started to butt heads. But I remember before that. We would hang out. And I remember one time vividly, we were riding our bikes. And I was like, and I remember asking, like, where where's your people from? Like, where, like, why do you have this accent? Like, why does your, you know, I remember his mom um coming. This is what I remember. I remember her her dress, her um, I don't know if it's the correct term, but I remember just how beautiful it was, how bright the patterns were. And I was like, why is she wearing that? You know, she was like, you know, my people are from Ethiopia and we came to America for a better life and we do things. We try to maintain our culture to the best of our abilities, but we know the opportunities that are here in America. You know, that's, that, that's something that I've learned. So for myself personally, I think as a black American, what creates the divide is that it's somebody who looks like us, but we know I, I know I speak for myself. I know that we're different. And it was very difficult for me for in my earlier years in life to have conversations like this, to ask questions that um, I was afraid to ask. Um, and so it's just like, I just don't know. You know, I, I, I don't know these people, you know, it's foreign to me in a sense, just like white people are, you know, um, the difference between that, the point I'm trying to get at is that I know more about white people and their culture um, and who they are as a people because that's what they teach us in schools. Mm -hmm. Nobody teaches us about the different countries and tribes of Africa. That's a part of the education system in America that I think fails a lot of us because we don't have, they don't teach us a worldview. They don't teach us that, you know, there are other countries, other cultures, other places that are beautiful where people are thriving and they're happy. Um, it wasn't until I got to college and I studied abroad that I actually met some people from, I I remember Nigeria and Tanzania. um, And they were explaining to me how they're, they know who they are. They know their family history. They know where they come from. You know, black people in America, we don't necessarily know that. Um, something I've learned as in my early 20s 
which is that I know I'm a direct descendant of a slave, of a slave woman. Um, and I know one of the impacts of slavery was that they intentionally erased our history. They erased, they, they took away from us who we were before slaves. And so a lot of black people in America, and I was one of them for a long time, thought that my family lineage began with slavery you know, wow. and college and learning more about that. I learned that no slaves were some stolen, some sold from Africa, you know what I'm saying? So I know that I come from a people that doesn't start in America. And so that's reason why, like I have a master's in international intercultural education. Um, and one of the reasons why I went to study that was to A, learn about how people are educated around the world but to also learn more about the history of education around the world and why certain education systems do not teach about other countries and other places. It's the term called hidden curriculum, which is that there's a, there's a hidden curriculum, meaning that there's a aspect of learning. Um, there's a content concepts that are specifically not taught. It's hidden for a reason. You know, there's a reason why the American education system doesn't teach us about Africa yes. and, other, and other countries around the world. It's all about creating the mindset and controlling the mindset. And so I feel that for myself personally, I have an opportunity still, you know, as much as I was ready to leave America, like this was five, six years ago, I was over it. I was like, I don't want to be here anymore. I want to go somewhere else because I know that America is not the only place that I could have a nice house with a nice car and kind of the materialistic things that American society um, puts on a pedestal to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's just been a journey of trying to learn more, of trying to take care of myself and, and take care of my health and wealth well, health is wealth, but trying to take care of myself because it's very difficult in America as a black person. You know, racism and white supremacy are embedded in the laws, are embedded in the institutions, they're embedded in policies that prohibit us systemically from achieving the American dream you know, versus a white man, it's not as difficult for him because the system was built for him specifically. So it's one of the things that I've been really trying to process, especially recently with everything that's going on, because something that I see happening a lot in America is that when we have these times where it's like, oh, we're going to protest, we're going to stand up for our people, we're going to fight the system and fight for us. But then it's like, okay, we're going to go protest, we're going to go demand this, but what are we demanding? What are we asking for? You know, and I think collectively as a people, we don't necessarily have a set agenda, a set thing that we want to have, you know, versus like in the 60s when it was the peak of the civil rights movement, we knew specifically we, we wanted the right to vote. Yes. We wanted equality in housing, we wanted to be able to buy our homes wherever we wanted. And so there were specific things that we wanted as 
a whole as an entire race of people that I think now we don't have those same things that we want. And so that's one of the reasons why I'm on this journey now, having conversations with people like you, which is to A, learn more and B, to experience more. You know, this is, yeah, this is a podcast we're recording, but this is also an experience to sit down and have a conversation with somebody like yourself, because this is something that I cannot say that I've done a lot either. You know, that's so why I was like, I have this platform now. I'm a podcaster. I'm going to do this because I want to know more and I want to be able to have the right language, the right perspective of people because I'm one of those people that's like, you know, love everybody, love all mankind. I don't really, you know, it doesn't matter to me where you come from or what you look like. If you are a happy person and you want to add to my happiness and you want to share and have good times, I'm all for it. You know what I'm saying? But there's this divide that is between, you know, specifically Blacks and African-Americans. And I think at the core of it is just we just don't know. Yes. Yeah. And I also to um, to pick it back to what you said about um, um, there's a reason why um, they don't teach Af- other countries like Africans to um, people here, African-Americans. I think there's a, there's, that's what um, started off with this whole white supremacy and all this oppression that we're talking about. I think for Africans, right, we would say that we haven't been feel, feel oppressed or racism or whatever it is. I think because of it is subtle, you know, and it's, and if when you look, let's go back to Africa, how things are. We are actually experiencing it and we just don't know. Because mm-hmm. right now, even when Africans, when Blacks are fighting for their rights, like you say, back in the days, in the 60s, they know what exactly, oh, voting, all those things. But all those things have been met, right? But there's still racism. It's still embedded in us. There's still, but there's very subtle that you wouldn't, if you didn't look deep, you wouldn't realize there is. So that's why it's kind of hard for us to identify, okay, what are we fighting for? What are we doing this? Because they have they have brainwashed a lot of people. Mm-hmm. They do it so smoothly, like smooth, that you wouldn't even notice if you didn't observe, if you didn't observe carefully. So I think in Africa, we do experience it because why is it that a bleaching cream is very rampant, it's very famous. Mm-hmm. Um, the industry, the people are actually focusing on making bleaching cream these days. A lot of people want to be light-skinned. We, we see the race, the white race as a clean, proper, you know, the better race. You know, that's the way we look at it. If you see a white man come to Nigeria, if you see the way they treat him, him or her, you know, they don't think them as bad people. You know, I don't know how to express it. Mm-hmm. Expre- express it. They don't see them as a bad people because we see them as people that do the right thing, proper, speak proper, act better, all those things, right? We have all the positive attributes when it comes to describing white people. So I think we have a brainwash. A lot of people we are experiencing, we just don't know because it, it has been ingrained in our body, in our spirit that we don't know that we are going through. We think it's better. That's when you see a lot of Africans when they come to America here, they won't want to fight for um this black this right that we are fighting for. I think apart from them, you know, because of the hatred and all those things, but they're not really looking past themselves. Oh, what this person did to you? Why deep? Why don't you deep further? Like you say, you guys are not being teach African culture for a reason. 
So they will still keep creating that divide, that um, you know, discrimination that keep happening between blacks and black, like black and black hate and everything. There's a reason why they're doing it. Even in Africa too, I'm sorry to digress, but in Africa, in our culture, there's been a lot of divide between us. We have so many issues. Africans don't even like each other, you know? Or even Nigerians, Nigerians like each other. They don't like each other because they have. it started from the beginning. Mm. That's why they have this, um, the civil, if you read on our history, the civil wars that happened, they started it. You know, they started it. They will create the confusion between each between us and then they will go and let us fight each other. And then they will come back and settle the issue and they'll still look like the good people, like the good person. They are trying to create peace. No, because it's already been, the, the, the damage has been done already. They know that. They, they put it, they, you know, they're the one that started the problem in the first place. Now we are fighting each other. They come back to settle the issue, looking like the good guy. Then we're still always going to be on their side, even though they're the one that caused the issue. But we're going to hate on our brothers. We're going to hate on our sisters. So I think sometimes we need to look past ourselves. Oh, what this person did to me? What this person do, did to me? How about you sit down and talk about it? How about you sit down and learn about your history? What started this in the first place? You know? So we have to sit down and look and we, we have to sit down and talk about it and look past our how we are feeling. Oh, oh, we're not gonna support our brothers because of they did this to us. I get it, you know. Then we have issues that we need to um settle, but we also need to find a way to come together to to work um work on achieving our purpose, which is getting our rights. So I think that's what it is. And I'm glad I'm talking to you now. I'm getting to understand because before I don't really understand it, you know, you, someone would do this to you and everybody have tell you this before even when you came to America, you just conclude, they just hate us. And then you keep, everybody would just hate each other, you know? Mm -hmm. So having this conversation with you, I'm getting to understand that, oh, wow. Like, you know, cause I, I didn't, I, I would never, I would never understand what it means, what it, it feels like to, you know, go, your ancestries is your, your descendants or whatever started from slavery. Like you don't even know what country it is exactly you, you from, you know? So mm -hmm. all you know is America mm -hmm. and then the America that you know, don't even accept you in the first place, mm -hmm. you know? So mm -hmm. that, that, it's, you know, conflicts that you're dealing with constantly sometimes can make you look at your brothers that at least they can say, oh, my, I'm from here. I'm from Nigeria. I'm from Ethiopia. We have a village. I have all these stories to tell, but you don't, you know? So I understand why that will cause an issue, why people, you know, will start resenting Africans or not liking Africans because we don't really understand what we have until we lose it. You get what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. And something i can say is that this is all everything we're discussing is by design and the reason behind mm -hmm. it is racism and white supremacy yes you know because if we were all to unite if we were all to do you know everything that we can think and sit here and discuss to do racism and white supremacy wouldn't exist you know what i'm yes. saying but it's, it's unfortunate that it is and to share more about myself, you know, some of the effects, you know, of white supremacy and racism and how it's embedded in the laws is that, you know, I was raised by a single mother. You know, my father was murdered when I was a little over one years old. Wow. And I never knew my father's side of the family until I was about 20 years old. 
Mm. You know, even still to this day, there's like I have family here in Atlanta um, that I just really started to really connect and open up with, you know, and it's it's a process because, you know, growing up in my own household wasn't I'm not going to say it was terrible or horrible um, because I'm very thankful for my mother and everything she did for me. But because she's a single because she was a single black woman in America who had to take care of two children all pretty much by herself. She had to do things out of in survival mode. You know, she had to work a job and leave us with other people, you know, to babysit us because that's what she had to do to survive. And there's even a divide amongst black Americans, you know, is it makes me think of of the, the phrase the have is and the have nots, you know, black people who have you know, degrees and status and, and money, you know, they they look down on poor black people, you know, even within my own family, you know, uh, before I even moved to Atlanta, you know, people would say, make the comment, oh, you're a college boy now, you think you better than everybody, because it's still to this day, it's rare for black men specifically and black people to be educated and to go to college, you know, That's and true. now that I've done that, I had a career, I was a teacher, and I'm not going to say it was terrible, but it doesn't, it didn't feel good in a lot of ways, because I was still looked at as, you know, specifically when I was in, in education, oh, you know, there's, there's not a lot of black men that are teachers in, in the country as a whole. But here in Atlanta, almost all the teachers where I was teaching were black. So it was like, oh, you're not special or, or you're not this. But at the same time, the pressure to be a role model and to be a leader for young black kids was still placed upon me, you know? And so it's like, it just became to be such a, a, a the mental anguish was too much to bear at one point in time, between trying to be a teacher, trying to be an asset to my family, to try to take care of myself. Mentally, I was done and I couldn't do it anymore. And so I had to quit my job. I had to, you know, distance myself from certain members in my family, you know, because I couldn't handle it. It was just too much pressure on me to, to see this and to feel this and to experience this on the daily basis you know and not knowing i'm not gonna say not knowing not having a lot of people in my family that i know who went to college to know what that's like and to support me in that it isolated me you know i was you know the first person in my family to graduate from high school wow. you know so when i'm in graduate school dealing with everything that comes, you know, at, and I went to FIU, which is a predominantly Latino institution. Hmm. So I'm dealing with everything that comes with being at this school, with being in Miami, Florida, um, not having anybody around, um, which it was a choice. And I did love, you know, and I appreciated the opportunity because I've learned from it. But during that time, I didn't have, I felt like I didn't have any help at all. You know, even the people at the institution, it was very much a, an, an elitist institution. You can tell that um, a lot of the kids who came, who went to FIU had came from families who had wealth, who had money, who had status already. So 
the things that I was struggling with, other people weren't struggling with. You know, my last semester of graduate school, I was literally, I remember one day going to my professor's office and trying to explain to her why I couldn't, you know, complete an assignment or while struggling in grad school. And I, and I literally just, I think in the midst of everything, I told her, I was like, I'm hungry. Like, I don't have money for food. Like, and I remember her, and she was a white lady. She literally reached in her purse and handed me $20. Wow. And I remember, I don't know if I cried in her office, but I remember shortly thereafter, I started crying because it was like, I couldn't believe that as hard as I'm trying to be a better person, to educate myself, to be an asset to not only myself, but my family and my community and my country and the world, why is it so hard? Why is this becoming so difficult? And, you know, in full honesty and transparency, you know, I wasn't, you know, I was partying, you know, it was Miami, Florida. So I was, you know, <laughs> wasn't necessarily doing everything that I probably should have been doing, but yeah, it wasn't easy at all. You know, there were some times where I felt like in the situation, and I won't go too in depth into it now, but in how I left grad school, I know the color of my skin had a lot to do with the way that I was treated, um, to how I left, to the decisions I had to make. And so the effects of racism have just mentally drained me to the point that, like I said, two years ago, you know, when I quit my teaching job, I was like, I can't serve somebody else. I can't be a role model for young children specifically. I'm very passionate about young people. I love children, love working with them, but I can't do this if I'm, if there's a broken child inside of me. Yes. And so, um, it, it's it's been a journey, you know, and I'm so thankful to God because I definitely believe in God. And I know that this is all, you know, in his plan, in his order, because now, even in this moment sitting here with you, it's like I'm just so blessed and fortunate for all of those experiences because it's prepared me for where I am now. And so, yeah, I, I digress from that because I could go on and on. I'm starting to think about <laughs> all these memories and things I've been through. But what do you think? Um, Black Americans or African Americans and Africans can actually start to do to unite uh, not only in the United States but around the world. What, what can we do? What do you think? Um, I think um, when it comes to the road to unite, um, I think we should sit, we should talk to each other and we should not judge what we don't understand. Mm. Try to talk to each other, listen to each other. I know, um, especially uh, I can talk about Africans intensively because that's the experience that I have. Mm. I know we Africans sometimes, um, we feel like when uh, African-Americans are complaining or laying their um, frustration on us about what they went through with the hands of the whites and other stuff, right? We should we think that, oh, that's not even suffering. They didn't go through a lot, you know, compared to what we went through in Africa. I get it. We went through a lot in Africa, but we can't keep um, belittling what what mm. their experience or their suffering and saying that it's not because we are not we are is not equating to what we went through. You know, there's no competition here. We are not competing who suffer more and who doesn't. You know, mm. you suffered. Period. You know, we need to find a way to talk to talk to each other. Try to relate with each other. You know, and stop. Um, you know, trying to point things out. Oh, I didn't like this. I didn't like that. If we keep doing that, we will never come together. Mm. 
you know mm-hmm. and um and even like like i'm saying me mm-hmm. coming to this show now talking to you i'm getting to understand your experience what you went through you know like i said i didn't i haven't really experienced racism that could be because i don't really i don't know i have ne- i don't know i don't think i would identify maybe i i have experienced it but i couldn't um identify that's racism because i'm not really that much aware of it you know because this is not what i know growing up you know you know where i grew up is we are all the same race so there's nothing like racism you know so i think there's so much we can learn from each other you know Mm -hmm. i think africans can um learn you know a lot from african-americans about what they went through how they're able to survive it in this land of opportunity that we know it america how are they able to like with the networks they have all those things there's a lot we can learn from them and also african-americans there's a lot they can learn from africans with the because we have a very hustling spirit you know we don't give up you know and that has to do because of back home there's nothing like medicare there's nothing like food stamp there's nothing the government don't even care about you you know, you're on your own in back home. So I think African-Americans can learn that from them. So we can work because we need each other. And we need to realize for people to even be causing division between us, that means if they allow, if we be together, there's something we have that they don't have. They know that we can, yeah, you know, we can, if we come together, they know that would be a force to reckon with. So they don't want that. You know, there's something we have. That's why they're causing division in the first place. They'd see us as a threat. If we're not a trade, they won't spend time brainwashing for years and continuously keep doing it. So we need to realize our power, our worth, our value. And then we have to let aside what we have done to each other. Try to listen to each other. Why you did this? Why you, you did that? And try to come together and make that move and make that change that we want to do. So I think that's the only way we can unite. That's beautiful. I love that. I have so many more questions so we'll (laughs) we'll probably have to do a part two we probably gonna have to do a part two on this because i want to kind of wrap it i like to keep my episodes under an hour but it's just like this is so this is so amazing to me like i i'm almost at a loss for words at how beautiful this experience has been to have you on my show to learn from you to learn about your experiences because just like you said the more we can sit down and have conversations and learn from each other yeah you know the better we will both be you know because if we come together and we unite we are going to be a force that's to be reckoned with you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. so um wow yeah i'm gonna stop thank you so much Um, (laughs) i want to give you an opportunity to um to let people know um where they can listen to your show um if you want to share your socials Mm -hmm. anything that you want to promote about yourself now is your chance okay well first of all thank you so much for having me i had a good time you know recording with you learning a lot about african-american culture how you guys think what you got why you guys do, do what you do you know um i won't say that first but um guys you can find my i have a podcast like i say at the beginning it's called venta with connie podcast uh we are available in all listening platforms spotify apple Podcasts, and please you can follow us on our social media so you can get notification whenever we release any new episode you can follow us on facebook at with connie on instagram at with connie you can subscribe to us on you on our youtube channel at with connie podcast so because we go live every week on saturday you know so come join the venta with connie family we had so many interesting topics discussed every week. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, I'm definitely going to um, hop into one of those lives one day and um, yeah. happy we're connected. And, and that's something I like to tell everybody is you're on the team. So you're here. So we're connected forever. So I look forward to building with you, working with you and definitely um, having more collaborations with you. Um, to those of you all listening, um, thank you all for listening to another great episode of Diary of a Mad Black Man. My name is Blake and I already said that I'm, I'm kind of just like all over the place because this was just so good. And I'm just so happy. <laughs> I feel so great right now. So, but thank you all for listening. Thank you all for tuning in. You all know what to do until the next diary entry comes out. Y'all stay blessed.